Welcome to the Just Pause podcast with me, Claire Edwards. Today, I'm really excited to be talking to Lucy. Lucy is a nutritionist, um, so full company title, I guess, or business title is Lucy Patel Nutrition. I could have talked to Lucy for hours when we recorded this podcast, so um, I'm hoping that what we've got included in this episode will be so useful to so many people. I've got all of Lucy's details in the show notes, so please get in touch with her if you um, like what you hear and need anything from her services. But before we start, let's take a smooth breath in, a long breath out, and just pause. It's really nice to speak to you today and have you on the podcast. Um, if you'd like to start by just introducing yourself, that would be wonderful. Of course. Hi, Claire. I'm absolutely delighted to be here today. Um, it's been quite a long time coming, this one, hasn't it? So mm-hmm. my name is Lucy Patel. Um, I'm a registered nutritionist and a female health specialist. So I very much uh, focus on all things female health, um, supporting women with hormone conditions, perimenopause, fertility, you name it. If it's to do with hormones, then that is totally my bag. So yeah, really, really excited for our conversation today. Yeah, I'm super excited as well. I think nutrition, uh, personally for me, is such a massive area. And the fact that you combine two really, really big things, as far as I'm concerned, to do with perimenopause or even just women's health in general, which is the kind of hormone side of nutrition and how that can support you. Uh, This is going to be a super interesting chat so yeah I'm really looking forward to this (laughs) again I have been waiting for this for a long time and we've made it happen which is incredible um but yes um I don't really know where we want to start because there's so much I want to cover um perhaps maybe we can start talking about some of the clients maybe that you normally deal with maybe their age range or when they come to you and what they come for yeah absolutely so so in, in one-to-one clinic, most of my clients, I would say, are between the ages of probably mid-30s to mid-to-late 40s. I think that's probably my sort of key demographic at the moment. So a lot of the work I'm doing at the minute is um, with clients who are in early perimenopause or they're quite motivated to understand. They feel like perimenopause is around the corner. They're wondering if some of these new symptoms that have crept in are actually perimenopause. I think this is something that's quite important to unpick in terms of, is are you in perimenopause or is it something else? And this is actually coming out quite a lot now in the sort of late 30s group. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yeah, so about the time clients come to me, unfortunately, they've generally had a few unsatisfactory visits to the GP. They've been sort of not really listened to. And I understand that obviously the NHS has its limit. It, they can't sit there for an hour and let you reel off everything that's been going on, but um, they're ultimately at a point where they really want to understand what's causing these symptoms, what they can do about it, and then looking at it from a really holistic way in terms of obviously nutrition, because I'm a nutritionist, but as a nutritional therapist, I do much more than that. So we are looking at sleep hygiene, we're looking at stress, we're looking at boundaries, we're looking at self-care. We look at absolutely everything. Um, and then I also do things like testing. So always do a full health, like a blood test MOT on every single client. Um, most clients haven't seen their GP for years until they get to the point where these peri symptoms start kicking in and then they go in and they just feel a bit dismissed. Um, or they get, you know, they said, do you want to try HRT? And most of them don't want to start HRT. They want to try and do it themselves. They want to try and find natural ways to support themselves um which is why they usually end up at my door to actually work out what those things are and then the key thing is how to actually implement these new things when they've got young kids at home they've got a full-time job they're ferrying people around they might have you know a lot of women now I think one of the big issues with perimenopause for me now in terms of how things have changed in the last sort of 30 years and if I take my mum as an example my mum had me when she's 24 so I'd left home by the time she went into perimenopause. So she just sort of had herself to worry about. Whereas a lot of women now are having kids into their late, late 30s, early 40s. So they could have like preschool children running around needing them when these things hit. And that is a huge difference in terms of the stress and the load that you're already dealing with mentally when peri then comes along. 
and potentially hit you like a sledgehammer and you're like, oh my God, what is actually going on here? <laughs> um, so our lives have changed a lot in like one generation. You know, we're all very far apart. Women are a little bit more isolated. Their support network can be quite, you know, their parents might not be down the road. So I think trying to, I mean, one of my biggest jobs is to be their support, is to be their champion of someone to lean on as they go through this and basically say, you can do this. It is possible, but it's just systematically and slowly working through. Let's look at this area. Let's look at your sleep. Let's get that sorted. And then we'll move on to something else. Because if you Google, as most people have Google perimenopause, it's like <laughs> loads of symptoms. It's all rubbish and it's all negative. And I'm really trying to help women reposition it. But perimenopause is going to happen naturally, surgically, whatever it might be. Usually, mostly, mostly it's natural, but it is a natural process and it isn't something that we're, we should be fearing and worrying about. It's something that we just need to maybe make some tweaks that when we actually get there, we're in a really good place to actually get through those few years, um, you know, in a relatively happy way, really. That's incredible because that's exactly why I'm doing this podcast and uh, we had a, a brief chat before we kind of came on to record this and it just sounds like we're both pretty much on the same page of trying to find just ways of finding positive tweaks just as you said to just adjust your lifestyle perhaps and I will say kind of lifestyle because most of it is is exactly that either it's sleep hygiene or maybe how much you move your body or um, the yeah. foods that you're putting into your body it's all lifestyle things that can contribute maybe to um, uh, giving your hormones a slightly easier ride because that is where perimenopause originates from that's the whole reason it happens it's you know, slightly different hormonal shift to when we go and do it the other end of the spectrum in puberty. So, and I just think that area of the spectrum at the moment is, um, even though we're thinking about it, this this the stress load that we that we put over, um, maybe girls slash women uh, when when all puberty is happening, you've got all your exams and everything's happening at school and it's all happening yeah. at that point. Yeah, and then exactly. the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> we should try and switch it all around and it should all be different but um I do think that there's more support and definitely more awareness I suppose you've got that catchment of everyone being in school when you're going through puberty bits and at least you're taught about it whereas yeah you're absolutely um you're left to kind of your own devices really and if you're not um, you know, I've yeah. last week I actually interviewed my mum because I hadn't actually really spoken to my mum about her experience. And if you haven't got that um, relationship or even that person around or whether it's mum or close member of your family that you can speak to, you just might not speak to anyone about it. And so you, then um, it's really exactly. nice that you have people that obviously seek you out because they think, no, I need to go and speak to somebody about what I can do to make these little shifts in my lifestyle but I'd love for you to talk a little bit more because I saw this when um well sorry carry on you were going to say something then I want to know what you were going to say one of the issues that I think is at play when women get to perimenopause is almost like what is you know our very first foray into female hormones is when we go through puberty and we have that talk at primary school and i just remember being given this pamphlet full of always products there were like 20 different types of <laughs> towel and everything feeling completely overwhelmed being told you know you're gonna get cramped you can't do pe don't wear white trousers and that whole introduction to our cycle was just one of like oh my god this is going to be awful i'm gonna you know there was no empowerment behind that and the other sort of half of my business is this sort of cycle awareness and actually starting to feel empowered that we have this cycle and that each week of the cycle we can lean into better certain activities and then there's weeks where we need to consciously step back and rest and then when we get to perimenopause and we spend all those years maybe battling our periods maybe having battles with fertility and the whole concept of hormones people just think my hormones have always been against me they're always causing problems <laughs> and it's trying to move that conversation away it's like they're not trying to make your life miserable <laughs> it's trying to understand what is happening underneath that's triggering these things and the, a lot of these things can be corrected you know with the with the right like you said lifestyle changes diet obviously supplementation as well obviously from a personalized perspective but i think as menopause and perimenopause has got more um you know interest and it's talked about which is great on lots of levels 
naturally that then brings all the fads in and it's like here's how to you know we don't want to be curing menopause but you know all these like drastic fasting regimes and telling women they need to do just all sorts of crazy stuff which for me I'm like it's not really where it's at and we don't want to be looking at quick fixes and trying to just your hormones don't like change you need to do things slowly and I think that's where we're in a very sort of quick and fast society with everything at the minute, isn't it? It's like everyone wants everything immediately. <laughs> if your hormones have been struggling for 10 years, it isn't going to take four weeks to get them back to some form of, you know, level, predictable mm-hmm. pattern. It does take time. And I work with clients for initially intensively for three months, and then we'll have check-ins maybe every sort of two months just to make sure that they're still on track with that plan. What's changed in your life? Are you still enjoying it? And it is a, it's, it's for life you know whatever plan you have it isn't just for three months it's something that you can then carry on with indefinitely that's the whole point um but yeah that whole like I said that whole hormone journey from that inception in puberty just feels like it needs a lot of work mm-hmm. oh, to get massively. more excited about the fact that they have a cycle rather than being scared of it yes or thinking it oh it's just a complete pain and I'm you know it's going to be a, a month yeah. out of my a week out of my month that I'm just going to have to sit and exactly. be really moody and be all alone and yeah. like <laughs> yeah exactly. I mean how rubbish is that like you know course of your life you're going to be feeling miserable <laughs> yeah just, when you put yeah, it like that it's just crazy. crazy it's crazy <laughs> um I'd love for you to um just to talk or even just expand a little bit on um your amazing uh, M- menopause MOT which I think you mentioned a little bit earlier maybe just to even explain what that might look like if anyone is intrigued obviously they can get in touch I'll put all of your details in the um in the comments here um and Lucy is incredible so please be in touch with her if you want to have any of this um experience but yeah it'd be lovely just to know a little bit more about the the kind of MOT aspect because I think that is such a nice thing we spend all of our time looking after many other things in our lives and then forget about ourselves a lot so (laughs) it's it's good number one problem with most women is just not looking after it's looking after everyone else except for herself that's exactly right but so it's from a one-to-one perspective the first place I start is just getting a sense of someone's life it's like what are you you know what are your main goals what is your life like what is your schedule like there's no point giving someone some really long list of things they need to do when they're literally at the brim of what they can manage because they're just not going to do it they don't have to, you know, it's just not fair to say, here's go make all these changes. And they're just like, good grief, you know. <laughs> so trying to build up a sense of the person in the first session, definitely, and going like, you know, what is your life like? What have you actually got going on? You know, doing an, an assessment on their diet, which is always zero judgment. And I do think, I do think that clients are very honest with me because, you know, they'll say like, you know, I've been mainlining biscuits because I'm just so busy that I just don't have time to cook. And I'm like, that's fine to <laughs> know that so I can actually help. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the first session is very much always do food first as a nutritionist, we have to look at the diet and often it is just making tweaks. It's looking at the macros, bit more protein, bit less carbs, making like eating windows slightly smaller, no drastic fasting, but I always try to go for about a 13 hour fast a day, which most people can do pretty easily. (laughs) And what that does, it just helps to curb, you know, that evening snacking, but you can, you know, watching Netflix, it's nine o'clock, grab a bicky. It can just, just maybe cut that habit out quite easily. If you say, look, try and do it eight to late, 8 a.m., 8 p.m., 7 a.m., 7 p.m., depending on what you've got going on, um, is usually quite a nice place for most people to sit. Um, looking at, and I think from a, when we actually look at the nutrition side, what I see most clients doing, um, and it, it sort of breaks my heart in a way because they've read all this advice so they're almost starving themselves for the first half of the day they're skipping breakfast or they're having like a tiny breakfast they're having a pretty small lunch and then by the time they get to the evening they're starving so they're having like really big dinner they're picking while they're making dinner they're picking after dinner and this is the point in the day when you're literally winding down for sleep so it's like where's that energy going to go it's got nowhere to go so usually front loading those meals doing a big swap and saying let's have a nice big breakfast first thing not first thing in the morning as in not like 7 a.m because some people don't want to eat as (laughs) as soon as they get up but even if it's 9 a.m you know whenever that first meal is having a really nice bulky breakfast it's got protein it's got fat it's not because obviously breakfast is very carby especially in this country it's all cereals and bread and Mm -hmm. whatever else um 
focusing on again protein is huge and i know you know this you're a yoga instructor so you're probably talking about always talking about muscle maintenance and <laughs> possibly not as much as i should be but yeah <laughs> <laughs> um making sure that they're getting protein with every meal and again this doesn't have to be complicated um and then looking at you know that evening meal and again it's just it's introducing some new things maybe not i don't ever tell anyone not to do anything unless they're allergic I never tell them not to eat anything or not to drink anything, like I said, unless they have a clear allergy to something, which is a, an exception. Um, but asking them what they like, you know, they don't want me telling you start going have avocado on toast. Some people hate it. So it's like, well, I'm not going to tell you to eat that because you're not, if you don't enjoy your plan, you're not going to stick to it. Yeah. So it's really understanding what that person likes, what they don't like, what their routines are like, and just getting them to explore new things and trying to get their partner involved if they can and just trying to get that support built around them the worst thing is if their partner is not aligned and brought into it with them if they if you know if they are living with someone they're there like having like kit kats on the side and they're just like no i'm not allowed those so it's i do try and encourage them to have that conversation with the partner and say look this plan really matters to me i'd like you to support get on board with it because that is just such a better place to be mm-hmm. from a compliance perspective on an ongoing basis and um, jumping to the MOT bits this is the blood testing so I when people come to work with me one-to-one I work with their GP on their behalf so I will write to their doctor um, and basically say I've seen so and so in my clinic they've got these symptoms they really want to get XYZ here's a list of blood tests that I would like you to conduct they just need to go in wave the letter at the GP so they don't have to sit there and advocate and go, well, my energy's low and my hormones are this. And I, because that is an exhausting place for someone to be, especially if they've already had that conversation before. Yes. So basically, I wrap the letter, send it to the surgery. And it's, it's, it's all the classic things. So it's B12, iron, folate, vitamin D, all the things that are associated with energy. And especially with women, and if women have been having, you know, heavy periods for the last 10, 15 years, they're anemic and they just, they've probably been anemic for years. They've just, ne- they've just never been to the doctor and got tested. So things like that are actually quite easy to resolve because with some supplementation, you can actually get those levels back up to where they need to be. Um, testing cholesterol, obviously, from a sort of heart health and cardiovascular health perspective, looking at liver profile, all this you can get done for free. So I basically hammer the GP for as many free tests as they can get. Amazing. And then yeah. even outside of that, because I have tried to be cheeky and ask for things and I almost like see what I what ends up getting done. And you can then go down the private route to get things like advanced thyroid panels. Um, There's certain things that GP just won't do um, on the NHS for free, but they will do a lot. So it's almost like with that help and support using that service, because that's, you know, the fact they do it for free is wonderful. We have the NHS. It's like, let's use them as much as possible Mm -hmm. to get your blood tests done. And then I can help them interpret them and say, the key here, and I feel like I'm just like talking nonstop. No, this is all incredible. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> what then tends to happen is the, the GP will, or they'll get a phone call and they'll say, everything's normal. And I'm like, get a copy of those results. <laughs> so I always want a copy so I can look over them. And what you'll tend to find is that that iron is like just above the low point or their B12 is just above. So the doctors don't pick those out and say, you're not in the optimal range. They just say, you're within the range that we want you to be in. Mm-hmm. But if someone's there and their energy's on the floor and their iron's borderline and their B12's borderline, their folate's borderline, it's like we need to do something about that. They're clearly not where they need to be. Yeah. Um, so I interpret those blood test results for them. We might introduce some supplementation to help because obviously with diet, if you're deficient, it's quite hard to get those levels back up meaningfully in a short time with just yeah. diet. So short-term supplementation. Um, in terms of hormone testing for perimenopause, this is... You can't really diagnose perimenopause with a blood test. You can check, because obviously hormones are going up and down. Mm -hmm. One month they might be high, one month they might be low, one month they might look completely normal. Um, FSH, which is follicle-stimulating hormone, can be a relatively good indicator because that Mm -hmm. generally tends to be um, slightly elevated. But for me, you don't test for perimenopause. Mm -hmm. We look at how old you are, we look at your symptoms, and we sort of deduce whether it's likely that your ovaries have started to go through that change because perimenopause doesn't just kick in one day and it goes bang, you wake up and it's like, oh my God, I'm in perimenopause today. (laughs) It's very slow, it's natural. This is a natural part of aging. So when my, you know, friends and clients who are like in their late 30s say, am I in perimenopause? I'm like, it's probably not. 
you know, I think one in 100 women go into perimenopause before 40. So it stands to reason that it's probably things like your stress is probably built up. That's why you're feeling tired. You know, you're working late into the night. That's why you're not sleeping. So it's, I tend to look at the lifestyle factors more if they're earlier than 40. But then if they're sort of early 40s, mid 40s, it stands to reason that probably is perimenopause has started. Um, but yeah, you, you go to the doctor and say, am I in perimenopause? you're not going to have a satisfactory conversation because they it's, might go, they'll go, oh yeah, you're old enough. Do you want to try HRT? Do you want to try antidepressants? If your mood is something that's really, really been impacting you. And I know that there's menopause doctors popping up in the NHS now, which is great, but they, they're not going to have a 75 minute session with you like I would, where mm-hmm. they say, tell me everything about you. What is going on? Where do you want to get to? So that's the, that's the difference really. But yeah working with the GP is important from my perspective and really forming a relationship with them so that collectively we can help someone together. Yeah, well, I can imagine if somebody has already been to the GP and had that conversation, just as you were saying, the fact that you then go, I'm just going to take this stress load off you and I'm going to then, um, you know, do... Um, sorry, I've had a little thing on Zoom and it's thrown me off. <laughs> just flash up on my screen. It's thrown me off. Um but yeah, just take, taking the stress load off you and then I'm going to write to your GP, I'm going to get the blood test sorted and do all of that, then that's amazing. That's so, that's already helping in one way because you're lowering the stress. In, but they don't have to sit there and reel off mm-hmm. all of the reasons why and justify why they want these blood tests because I've already done that for them. Yeah. But some clients decide, you know, because GPs, are, they're obviously much better than COVID, but some people still really struggle to get in. You can do all of this privately if you've got the budget to do it you can get all of that stuff done for about 100 quid so again it's all about understanding the convenience aspect is someone sometimes people go for thought going booking an appointment with the gp and taking time off work they're like oh i just can't do it i'm too busy so then we can just do it all at home you send them an at-home test and they can just Mm -hmm. do it all themselves that's really nice to know that that is also an option too for anyone that's wanting to kind of go down that route which is brilliant Um, I still have so much that I want to talk to you about. <laughs> Maybe because we've mentioned... <laughs> I know, yeah. Maybe because we've mentioned a little bit about supplements and I will then go ahead and go back on to a bit more about nutrition um, shortly because that's, um, I know, kind of the main reason why I got you on, even though there's so much to cover because um, you're awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, maybe we'll just chat a little bit about supplementation. Just perhaps in the context of maybe somebody being in their mid to late 30s early 40s and I know that you you'll, it will be very specific for each person but is there anything that you could slash should be taking um to just um provide so, good overall health I would say yeah so no, it's a really good question because again there's so many female health supplements popping up everywhere mm-hmm. and a lot of women are going i'm going to try that i'm going to try that i'm going to try that and you end up a lot of clients by the time they come to me they've got like they're taking like loads of different things might see a bit of improvement now the thing with supplements so just to be really clear i can't recommend specific supplements mm-hmm. or dosages until i've actually seen someone individually but the ones that i would say i am recommending most frequently um vitamin d which especially at this time of year all of my clients are on a maintenance dose of vitamin D from September to March because if you're in the UK, you just can't synthesize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people, when they have their blood tests, that vitamin D is like hovering at the low end. Yeah. Um, so that's probably one of the ones that most people do need. Um, omega 3 is probably the second one that I most routinely recommend purely because it's quite hard to get via diet. Okay. And you are getting it through your diet a lot of it comes from oily fish and a lot of people are not oily fish people (laughs) (laughs) by the way if i'm listening it's like oily fish is the really strong fish (laughs) like you know mackerel and trout things that most people probably aren't eating very often so if you suddenly say you need to start eating mackerel three times a week and they're like absolutely no way is that gonna happen (laughs) um 
you can get it in flaxseed and chia seeds but in terms of the quantity that you need and especially if your mood if you're experiencing significant mood swings if you're experiencing issues with your joints mm-hmm. omega-3 is really important so high strength omega-3 is probably one that i very i'm trying to think if i've ever not recommended that to a peri-client i think it's usually on their plan by the time i've actually worked through their diet and gone yeah i think you need a bit of help here um what else from a sort of stress and anxiety perspective there are certain sort of adaptogens and like herbal um remedies that you can recommend so things like ashwagandha and rhodiola okay um i've used myself first year of business i had a one-year-old and my stress was just off the scale and i actually i really genuinely noticed a difference but again with supplements what i would say is you get what you pay for i see yeah if you're getting mm-hmm. 4.99 in holland and barrett it's like, well, what else have they... A lot of them have got all these like bulking agents and glucose and all sorts of other stuff. It is worth, for me, getting... have Taking less stuff in a higher dose that is actually going to get you the results for your specific symptoms. If you just end up taking loads of multis and crossing your fingers, you might see some benefit, but as an example, a multi is going to have, you know, iron and zinc and folate and B12, but if they're deficient, you know, having... 70% of your B12 requirements in a multi isn't going to get your levels. It's going to maintain them. Mm-hmm. So that's why the test is important because you can actually see, well, where do I need a real boost, which is probably where supplementation is going to help. Um, obviously, alongside dietary changes as well. Um, what else? Magnesium, especially people are struggling with sleep. Mm-hmm. Magnesium glycinate is really, really good for sleep. And I have seen that have a really, really big impact. You can get, mag- you can get all of these things through food, but I think there's... So some things are easier to get through food than others. Omega-3 is the example where it can be quite tricky. Um, obviously, if you're vegan, B12 is, um, you can't get B12 through your diet if you're vegan. So that, you know, if you're vegan and going through perimenopause and you're not already supplementing B12, then that's probably one way you definitely would want to at least get your levels checked every year just to see where your levels are about and see if they're, they're staying stable. Um what else another one that i've been recommending quite a lot recently i've had a flurry of clients that have been really struggling with their joints as in they're waking up in the morning and like mm. their hands they're just they're, they're really stiff um so curcumin is a really good one for um anti-inflammatory supporting mm. joint pain um but again this is all in the context of you know someone as an individual what are they already getting through their diet um but I will be completely honest, all of my pro-menopause clients end up on some supplements because they do need them. And they are, again, they are very much tailored to the specific symptoms that they're, they're currently experiencing. So whilst, you know, getting multis and things, it's not going to be harmful, but it might just be a waste of money if they're not really in a dose that's going to have any real impact for someone, mm-hmm. is probably what I would say. Yeah. That's incredible. Thank you for explaining all of that, because I'm sure that people listening will have been able to pick and choose and go, oh, yeah, actually, I might have an issue with that or that's relevant to me or I'm not sleeping very well. And um, again, it's all just bringing awareness, because as you said, you can type in you know, things like struggling with sleep or whatever into Google and the amount of stuff that then comes up. Whereas yeah. really, maybe you just need to start with a magnesium supplement, see how you do. <laughs> and then, you know, maybe get some well. better, yeah, <laughs> reduce your stress, get better sleep hygiene. So there are, but there are lots of, as you say, tiny little lifestyle changes that you can do that might then um, allow you to troubleshoot whether this might be perimenopause or whether it might just be general lifestyle stress load everything else um but it then puts you in charge of that which i think is the really key thing here don't feel like you're not in charge of your own body and how it functions and what you can do to help it i think we often forget that we are actually in charge and we can do what we want (laughs) and it's understandable why people end up feeling so helpless because maybe they have tried a lot of the sort of fatty stuff a lot of my clients have done slimming world and whilst it works in the short term add two years on and they're like they're about to square one and some and it's that frustration and when you go through these repeated patterns of trying something and then it doesn't work this helplessness does start to set up set in a little bit but i think it's definitely that message is that women do actually have a lot of agency and control over this journey and just with the right pathway 
formed for you. And I think not trying to get distracted what everyone else is doing. You know, like, oh, they're just there doing yoga, they're running, they're doing strength training, they're doing it. And then suddenly you're like, oh, my God, like, where do I start? And where do I fit <laughs> all of this in? Yeah. in? At a point when you do not need any more overwhelm in your life. You <laughs> just need your plan, your goals that you stick to. It's like, ignore everyone else. Doesn't, they're, where they're doing doesn't matter. <laughs> but it is hard with social media and all the people plugging stuff. And it's easy to go, I'll try that now. And you have to give these things time. And it does take time, but it, it does work. And you will see differences if you're consistent. Um, but the, the whole, that whole behaviour change aspect is something that I'm really interested in because it's like, why, you know, how can you get someone to engage with a plan and then stick to it week after week after week, even when they have a wobbly week and work gets mad and the children are sick and all the rest of it? How do you help them change that mindset to go, okay, just because I've had three days that have been out of shit show doesn't mean the next three months has to be a shit show. You know, you can get back on the horse <laughs> because you've got this plan. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, we're all probably the same. You have good weeks, bad weeks. I'm just getting more back into exercise now because I sort of abandoned that for a while and I'm already noticing the difference. Um, but having someone holding your hand figuratively mm. <laughs> through the process genuinely helps because they've got someone there like cheering them on and going you can do this you can do this you can do this it's working just be patient and you know the results will come so amazing okay let's talk a little bit more about nutrition maybe in general that's a massive subject I know but um (laughs) (laughs) and go (laughs) Um, I mean no I mean like yeah joking aside obviously like nutrition is obviously where I always this is always the focus um and especially I think like we've just talked about you know when people you know they're going to perimenopause often the first thing they think isn't how can I adjust my diet? It's like the supplements and you know, what, what can I do that might give me some sort of quick relief, which is understandable. But from a dietary perspective, it I think it doesn't actually need to be that complicated. I think what I see most often, um, like we said before, it's, you know, scrimping meals in the first half of the day and then catching up in the second half of the day. So I always try and shift that round, you know, really focusing on meals, get, the main meals getting smaller and smaller throughout the day um looking at snacking as well snacking is a bit of a um what's the word polarizes people some people are like you know three meals a day some people like little and often and in terms of the research you can argue it both ways I think there was a there was a big movement towards the little and often for a while but now we're back to like three meals a day and no snacking to manage blood sugar for me I literally flux from day to day which one I do and it doesn't seem to have much of a negative impact it matters what you're eating so again, mm-hmm. that eating window is what's key for me. So as long as you're having that 12, 13 hour fast and the things that you are eating within that 11 hour eating window are, you know, a nice mix of protein, slow release carbohydrates, healthy fats, the odd treat. Absolutely. For me, I'm not too hung up on, you know, big meals versus little meals and snacks and should you be snacking, etc. Um, So what I do tend to do a lot of education on is what people are snacking on, because this is the one where I think people, they don't almost, not they don't count it, but they don't realize they're doing it. It's like, oh yeah, I just had this while I was cooking and I just grabbed this before I ran out the house. And again, it's no judgment, but if someone is snacking a lot, that's when that's for me, sort of a bit of a, you know, we need to look at the meals. Your meals need to be bigger. If you're feeling like you need to graze all day, it's like, well, let's try and build some really nice, balanced, decent sized meals. And then, yeah, fair enough, especially the lunchtime to dinner time stint, because that can generally be, that can be sort of like six hours for people, you know, lunch at 12, dinner at six, of course you're going to need to eat something in those six hours. Um, yeah. So what I try to do is, again, work with their schedule, their energy, how much they can be bothered actually making things. Um, but a few go-to brands that I have for snack bars. So um, Kind is a really good one. Again, we're not looking at perfect here, but if someone's going to have a Kind bar versus a Mars bar, the Kind bar is much, much better. It's got loads of nuts in there. It's protein. It's healthy fats. It's going to make you feel much, much more satisfied for a longer period. Um, Graze is another really good brand. Um, the chili protein nuts are amazing. 
just need to be careful with portion sizes because you get these big share bags and they don't actually tell you that that's like four portions oh right <laughs> they sit there and, like, and chew through the whole bag <laughs> um but yeah trying to get them to eat like more nuts um things like oat cakes and hummus oat cakes and peanut butter having more fruit as well a lot of people aren't eating a lot of fruit which is a really easy thing to eat um so you know focusing on the low sugar like things like berries and nectarines and plums so just having this stuff in the house you know the, the easiest one of the easiest barriers to get over is just having the stuff in the house if you've got the right stuff in the house and less of the the sort of treat stuff you literally haven't got any other option but to eat the the healthier stuff right and again it's not saying you don't have the nice stuff but if you've got cupboards full of biscuits and stuff then that is where you're going to go so I usually try and get clients just to do a little bit of a like a cupboard audit and we say right what what is actually in your cupboard you know what do you have stacked in there so making sure that they've got loads of like staples you know like tin tomatoes and tins of chickpeas and you have stuff to make a chili and lots of things like hummus and fruit and just I'm trying to think what else peanut butter there's a few staples if you've got those in the house you can actually build some pretty decent snacks at home they take a minute to make and again it's just tweaking those habits a little bit away from you know jumping into a coffee shop and buying a muffin which like I said you know of course it has its place like I said I'm not here to sort of dictate what people should be doing but I think taking a step back again then so let's just talk about protein for a minute most women are not eating enough protein as they go up to perimenopause and it becomes even more important to make sure that you're having plenty of protein because your muscle mass does start to reduce significantly faster when you get to perimenopause so this is where you know it's sort of the classic and it sounds awful term you know it's sort of like the bingo wings when you hold your arm out and there's that 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 muscle wastage that you get under sort of the underneath of your arms and your thighs and a lot of women say that they just feel like they're yeah they're struggling to get up off the floor you know like sit down and just maintaining that muscle is so so important so mm. the ways to do that is making sure that you're having around 15 20 grams of protein per meal every single meal um and doing strength training strength training is so so important and i think a lot of the current generation of perimenopausal women grew up in the cardio era where it was all like you know go on the cross trainer for an hour and that's what I did I just remember going to the gym and doing nothing but cardio when I was like eight it's hard to think about it but now I'm almost the other way I do barely any cardio and I'm all about the weights but I can tell the difference that's amazing and I think again taking baby steps with this that might sound terrifying to some people like strength training lifting weights never done that in my life where the hell do I start um you can get dumbbells from Argos, like two kilograms. Even if you start, download a YouTube workout and just find a workout where you're just doing some little bicep curls. You can do them in front of the telly. Just get started somehow. Um, you can go to a body pump class. You could get a personal trainer if your budget allows. There's lots of ways to do it, but just need you need to start doing things that challenge your muscles. And by that, it needs to it needs to sort of hurt. It needs to be difficult yeah um that's the key with strength training because obviously you're trying to build this muscle up and um, so protein is key strength training is key um and then again with the i keep mentioning healthy fats we also grew up in an era where it was low fat everything yeah so i will say no fat no taste so if you take fat out of something that's supposed to have fat in it you're taking away the taste like yogurt all the low-fat yogurts have been plied full of sugar to make them taste better because they're taking the fat out. I am like full-fat Greek yogurt. What you know? Have get the cat. You need calories, right? And fat is so important for hormone production. So if you're not having any fat, you're not having. You, you literally don't have the building blocks to make your hormones. So hopefully, from that context, people feel more comfortable allowing you know things like avocados, olive oil lots of nuts and seeds, you know, meat, high quality meat, um, you know, having, you know, even having like bacon, you know, ba- those bacon medallions that have had, you know, they've still got the sort of fat in the, in the middle, but they've not got that big rind on the side. They're really, really good. Great protein source, loads of iron, loads of B12. Um, 
but I think getting comfortable with making sure that you're including fat in your diet as well is really, really important. Um, and hydration. Again, a lot of people are not drinking enough water. Yeah, that's that's one of my main, that's one of personally my main go-tos. If I feel hungry, I'm like, have I drunk enough water? Yes. Because it's probably just that I'm dehydrated, probably not because I'm actually hungry. So, yeah. <laughs> your, brain, your brain will... It, it'll impact your brain first. So basically you are dehydrated to any degree. It's your brain that will struggle first. So if you're getting, if you're losing focus, if you're getting distracted, if you can't concentrate, the easiest place to start is have I had any water today? Mm. Or have I just been having tea and coffee up until sort of midday? Absolutely. Yeah. Because so I think it's such an easy habit to get into. Tea, but always have a, a massive water bottle on the go. One of the things that I'm always recommending as well is just get one of those absolutely huge, like 1.5 litre bottles and just say, fill it up and then you just need to drink that. Yeah, that's great. Um, I always find like hidden hidden water drinking is one of my big things. Like I would always, I've got um, a dog. And so if I take them out on a walk, I will make sure I take almost the biggest water bottle I've got yeah. and just try and drink it while I'm walking around because th then I'm not even thinking about it. And then I probably drunk about a litre of water when I'm walking, wandering around. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and things like having a herbal tea in the evening, especially when we look at things like the sleep, hygiene and that wind down routine so I do a lot of work with clients in like what is that final two hours before bed you know what are you doing what are you thinking about are you working are you in a social media hole and then you sort of putting your phone down and expecting to drop off to sleep within five minutes so having like herbal teas and you know chamomile and lemon it can be that really nice trigger to your brain to say it's time to start winding down um so so hydration really important i'm trying to think what else it's the sort of state i mean obviously with nutrition it's this then does lean into the outcome of a blood test result so if someone's like really low in iron we'll be looking at like red meat chickpeas spinach let's try and get some really nice curries and i'll give them specific recipes you know so they don't have to sit there trawling google um, and the plans become a bit more personalized i think to try and make sure that the the food plan is very very fitting with the client rather than yeah. just a list of recipes and off you go sort of thing yeah no that that's amazing thank you for all of those tips because I think it will have just given people a bit more confidence perhaps even if they're looking at these tiny little diet tweaks the protein thing is big and you know it might be that many people listening to this already know but if you don't first of all you don't need to feel stupid about not knowing because you know that's fine there's no reason why you would know this stuff you know so and that and that's the big thing like you said we keep going back to this whole empowerment and knowledge and once you've got the knowledge that's step one it's then that how is the what's the easiest way for you to implement this particular piece of knowledge mm -hmm. what's the path of least resistance for you and it is going to be different for each person yeah that's incredible um i'm just going to ask you for your maybe your top pre perimenopause nutrition tip <laughs> um i would there is one. probably say i think there's probably two bits to this i think for me it's the protein i think getting starting to really focus on making sure you're having plenty of protein in you know from early 30s mid 30s you know because the more you can limit the impact of that slow muscle degradation which will kick in and you can still build muscle in perimenopause but as your estrogen your testosterone drop it does get harder so focus on so protein we're talking meat fish eggs dairy lentils chickpeas it isn't hard to get protein but it's just certain meals breakfast is probably the big one where most people aren't getting enough so you know protein powder can actually be a really nice addition if you're struggling at breakfast time you have no time make a smoothie throw a scoop of protein powder in there you get your 20 grams straight away um, the other one i think is the eating window especially because one of the i don't think i've had a perimenopause client yet who hasn't been having issues with her weight is that eating window try and i'm not saying every night you know seven days a week 52 weeks of the year but that eating window try and keep it to 11 hours if you mm -hmm. have 11 hours and just curb that that picking and snacking, just make sure that you're having 
really good sized meals, you're snacking on great things, but then you have a really firm cut off with yourself from about eight o'clock and just say, almost there's no need to be eating after this point. Obviously there'll be exceptions, there'll be dinners and you might get to sit, that's absolutely fine. This is this is sort of the 80-20 concept, isn't it? Yeah. But I think the protein, the front loading meals and that eating window, so it's really three, not two. Um, that's all right. That's I right. would say they are three really good guiding principles to work from and hopefully yeah. ones that aren't too difficult to follow. Yeah, no, I think um, for many people, they'll be really manageable and perhaps even quite fun to do and have a play around with and yeah. just see how you get on. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. And kind of just unless you have any more little tips and things you'd like to impart your all of your knowledge, um, I'd love for you then just to talk a little bit about your um, program that you've got, um, because it is incredible. So I just want as many people to know about this as possible. Oh, amazing. So, there is one more thing I would just quickly like to mention. So more from the sort of self-care perspective, I do a lot of, I have a lot of conversations on things like boundaries and purpose, because a lot of the time, especially with the, if the symptoms are very, you know, stress, anxiety, losing this sense of resilience, you know, you felt really capable in thirties and suddenly you've hit the sort of early forties and you're like, God, can I do my job anymore? Am I a good mom? Am I? And all this self-doubt starts to creep in. So, really stepping back and assessing how you're expending your time and energy you know do you have good boundaries in place are you saying yes to everything are you delegating anything what are your professional relationships like with work you know are you constantly you know answering emails when you don't really need to be I would it's time to be very bold and firm with setting up your own life and your time that fits what you want and a lot of women are very very bad at doing this you know, because they're trying, like you said before, they're trying to look after everybody. And women find it very hard to say no. So I actually have this worksheet, which I can actually share with you. And it's, um, it's how to say no without saying no. And it's, saying, <laughs> I have time to think about that. Or um, I'm not gonna be able to do that. But how about this? It's just ways to basically say, not just do that word vomit. Yeah, I can help. Yeah, I'll do that thing. And then going, oh my God, how the hell am I going to fit that in? Yeah, <laughs> We do. We just naturally want to help. It's just the way we are. So this is a time to be much more firm and conscious of what you're, who you're spending your time on. You know, if you've got mood hoovers in your life that you're like, you know what, you just don't, you're not helping and being conscious about not severing ties with people, but just like, who are you spending time with? Do they lift you up? Do they make you feel happy? Do they support you? And really having, doing a bit of an assessment on those relationships at this point, because it is really important that you conserve your own energy um, and start to think about what you want the next chapter to look like. This is, this is midlife. It's literally in the middle. You've got 30 years still to go. So it's like, what do you want those 30 years to look like? What do you want to be doing? Are the hobbies you want to take up? It's really finding that purpose and that joy and that drive in terms of what you want, you know, especially if the kids are getting older and you're like, right, those intense years of motherhood are starting to ebb away and they need me a little bit less. What have I been putting on hold that I really, really would like to do for myself? It's a really nice point to start having those conversations with yourself. Um, so yeah, so onto the course then. So um, obviously I am one person, it is literally just me. So after doing one-to-one -one for two years, um, I spent a lot of this year developing out basically everything I teach in my one-to-one -one into an online program so that more people can come on board and actually benefit from all of this expertise and learnings that I've built up over the last two years so it's called navigating perimenopause with confidence and um, we can pop the link in the um in the podcast notes yeah absolutely it, well. it's been built to be as accessible and simple and empowering as possible so it's fully online um, it has monthly group calls with me. So you do, you can come and, you know, bring wins, bring challenges. You can come and say, I'm on module three and I'm really struggling with this particular bit. But you also get to join part of a community of other women on the course. So you can all collectively come together and you can all share your own experiences and you can all lift each other up. And if you've, some, you know, if you've near the end of the course and someone else has just come in, you can be that person. And we love to give back, right? We love to be that person. So you can do this because I've already done it and I'm feeling so much better. Um, so yeah, so it's 10 modules and it's a very action orientated course. It's not just, here's me talking on a video for an hour. It's here's 15 minutes on one specific thing. Now go and do something. 
So this it's full of actions and it's got little workbooks that are not things that you need to sit there for hours filling in. But I've tried to make it as practical and action driven as possible. So that by the end of that first module, you're already like, wow, I've already done three things. I've implemented them and I can already see that it's making a difference. So, yeah, I'm really, really back in the course. I'm very excited that it's finally out there in the world. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> You should be really, really proud. I'm. I'm. Thank you. Um, I was just looking through all of the the titles of um, of all of the modules, and um, I particularly liked the one that was saying "unmasking the truth of sugar, caffeine, and alcohol," which I'm pretty sure most uh, maybe <laughs> most really touched on. Most, but yeah, that is a big one. Yeah. And they're just kind of surviving on that, maybe. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but coming at it from a very judgment-free place as ever. But I do yeah. you know that you know, all three of them, one or two of them can often start being a little bit too much of a crutch at this point. And so it's how you can actually start to bring those back and have a really positive relationship, still include them, but include them in a way that's actually going to be supportive as you go through perimenopause. Yeah. And that's, it's just wonderful. So yes, if anyone is um, struggling or even considering um, looking for somebody as a guide or they want to do a bit of a, a course for themselves, I would massively recommend uh, Lucy's course. So um, I will pop all the links um, into the show notes. But Lucy, if you just want to say um, how people could get in touch with you here as well on the, just um, as we kind of wrap up this episode, but you can Absolutely. just share everything that you want to share. It's absolutely so uh, I think first port of call I've, I've got a free um private Facebook group called the hormone harmony hub um and going back to what we talked about supplements I go live in this group every Tuesday so I'm in there once a week and I do a poll and I basically ask people what do you want me to talk about and we did a, a three-part session on supplements um so especially if you want to delve more and understand more about that area um but we've covered everything I mean I talked about habit change this week. We've done supplements. We've done probiotics. We talk about all of these things in the context of sort of hormone health. So that's the Hormone Harmony Hub. Uh, like I said, free free group and it's private as well. Um, if you wanted to have a chat about getting one-to-one -one support and coming on board um, onto a program, um, you can book in for a free 30-minute call. Um, this is very much for you to go, here's all, like, download everything that's been going on and then we can discuss whether one-to-one -one support would work for you. Um, obviously, you've got the, we've got the course, Navigating Perimenopause with Confidence. And then finally, I do a lot of workplace stuff. So if you are someone that, uh, you know, if you're working in a company and you're like, wow, we are, all of our workforce need to get this sort of information. Um, I also do uh, menopause and cycle awareness in the workplace. So, um, so yeah, lots of, lots of ways to, uh, uh, to get involved really. Um, but yeah, no, really appreciate um, the support there and it's just great to have oh, this conversation. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> really lovely but thank you so much for coming on and speaking to me lucy that's amazing no problem at all thank you for listening to the just pause podcast don't forget to subscribe and to follow us on instagram at just.pause.pod see you soon